Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Pastor of New Wine Ministries. We're waiting for our technology here to kick in. I think we just did. So welcome to the broadcast. And it is Thursday. It's April 28th, 2022. For those of you who are interested in the counting of the Omer, today is the 12th day. It began last night at the setting of the sun. And there is a blessing for you today to listen to. So we are going to be talking about some very interesting things today. A little bit new direction. Pastor Jeff Bass will be joining us in a little bit. And I I want to say some very um, definite things up front this morning to all of us. And I believe maybe, just maybe, and I believe it's true that Holy Spirit has a message for all true believers today that are living in this uh, this present environment, in this present climate Uh, globally, around the world, as we have all witnessed and we have all watched the formation of a globalization happen in our generation like no other time in the history of the world that we can imagine, as large as the world is today, with probably the greatest population to ever hit the face of the earth, nearing 8 billion people. And yet through technology, all those 8 billion people are being watched and monitored and being observed. We realize what is happening because we have the wisdom of Scripture. We're going to talk a lot about that today. We're going to get into that. Um, But we're also going to talk about what you and I 
are doing and what we have been doing for years in our resistance and our speaking out against the things we see coming because we understand what we see. You see, an unsuspecting and darkened world will not recognize what is happening to them. The God of this world who blinds the minds of the masses, which is written in scripture, has done exactly that. And the blinded masses can no way understand what is happening in our world today, not even their being divided from one another in the earth. But those of us who are awakened by the grace of God and by the mercy of God, and we have an ability to read the Bible or to hear the Bible minister to us and our hearts are hungry for the words of God, we do understand. We understand what is happening. And so within that understanding of the witness of a rising global government around the world, in the United States of America, we who have enjoyed our liberties and freedoms like the freedom of speech, you know and I know that that freedom of speech is getting thinner and thinner and thinner until there will be no freedom of speech any longer. I refer to a book that you probably have all looked at or at least heard of, Fox's Book of the Martyrs. And in Fox's Book of the Martyrs, it tells the story of many, many people who during the Reformation and at different times within the church age have suffered for doing something against the status quo of the religious form, so to speak. And men like Tyndale, and others who were burned at the stake, who were suffocated, they were killed. But there were the unknown people as well that suffered simply because they would not venture to a church of the Roman kind. And what would happen to them, they were called heretics, and they were slandered, and they ultimately were sent to prison and death. This has happened throughout the history of the world, and it's still happening today. People are suffering for their faith in Jesus Christ. To that, there's no doubt. I believe in our generation, as we have been witnessing the rise of this global antichrist governmental system, the rising of the beast, and if we can look at it and see it clearly, we realize that our day of accountability is coming as well. And what is that day of accountability? We live at a time where whosoever will live in the truth will be the target. Those who speak in resistance against what the world is doing are setting themselves up for persecution. I strongly believe that those who are outspoken in resistance against what is happening, calling for the arrest of Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and are speaking out in these terms, are making themselves the very targets of being arrested and being held as heretics and will be accused of murder. You know, it's a funny thing. History will repeat itself, especially if we don't learn from it and, and adjust. And we live in a time right now where, like in the 1500s, during the Reformation, 
when people were being murdered for their faith or just not going to a church, they were being set on fire at the stake. You know, and I know that the Bible teaches a one world religion. Now the one world religion during the reformation was the Roman church. But in these last days, I don't believe it's going to be the Catholic church alone. That's going to be part of this. I believe it may be part, but I think there will be Christian churches also wrapped up into the vortex of this anti Christ, the true living Christ, and a one world religion will form, and everybody that resists that religion will be subject to scrutiny, subject to arrest, subject to hearings, and brought before councils, just like Jesus said. I believe our generation will probably see more of that than in any other time in the history of the world, not just over in the European continent. during the 1500s, but globally, all over the world at the same time, a one world religion will rise. And everybody that would resist that religion's doctrine will become the source of persecution. Now, you couple that with the global one world government, and like the Roman Catholic Church and the Roman Empire, they, you know, both the, the system of government and the system of religion joined together and they formed a perfect tool for persecution. It's here. It's happening right now. As I speak, as you listen, we have been watched. We have been monitored. We have been listened to through algorithms, through technology. And those who are speaking and those who are listening are known. And that is a fact. And I hope you've known that all along. I hope you realize that what we are doing is not just playing, and it's more serious than we've ever dreamed, most likely. Because the day when we all get taken off these airs or the knock on the door comes, if God wills, if God permits, and I do believe God's going to spare a lot of people so that his voice will continually be to those who will be nurtured during this time. So I do know that while a famine of hearing the word of God is going to hit this earth, and that people will long for just one day of the Lord's presence, I do know that those who are separated in the wilderness, whatever that is, that there will be the word of the Lord, and they will be nourished by the word of the Lord at that time. So God will preserve something that will be protected. Okay, I get that. But for the larger part of what is happening, we need to understand that our resistance against the global government, our resistance against the Joe Biden administration, our resistance against Barack Hussein Obama's administration, our resistance against those who hate God, our resistance against those who justify the mass murder of over 90 million babies in our country, and have spawned over 500 million deaths around the world through taxpayer dollars of the American people. Our resistance to a homosexual agenda, our resistance to the blasphemy that comes out of Hollywood, our outspokenness, our declaration, our shining the light on the darkness, our resistance to the false prophets who prophesy peace and safety in a climate of judgment and doom. All of these things are drawing the principalities and powers of darkness against that light. 
And you go back to the Reformation, that's exactly what was happening during the Reformation. Men and women were seeing the truth, they were speaking out against the lie, and the lie didn't like it, and it came against them with fury, even during the Inquisitions and the mass murder of Christian men and women everywhere who resisted the Catholic Church in the Roman Empire's governmental system. We're there. It is happening. You need to understand that your resistance, your unwillingness to cooperate is going to be either viewed by God and blessed by God and you will be kept by God because God is in control or you will suffer the fate of what Christians have suffered throughout the church age and are suffering today. But it's going to become a bit more sophisticated. The rounding up and the mass murder of multitudes of Christians is a biblical reality, especially in the last days. And if we do not carry in us the sentence of death, you see, if we're out here on radio and we're, and we're uh, gaining big followings and we got people liking what we say and we get into the drama of the end times or, or we talk about all the stuff going on, but we're really not cognizant of the fact that that is going to cause persecution or there will be a price to be paid for what we're doing. And this takes away the foolishness. This takes away the nonsense. This takes away, you know, this is my job. This is my career. I believe with all of my heart that our generation, it, it's wrapping up. It's coming into a, a, a climax. It's coming to a conclusion. And through modern technology and what they are presenting and what they are doing and what they have been doing all over the world, you and I, whether you're listening on purpose or we are speaking on purpose, we need to have the sentence of death in ourselves. If we do not have the sentence of death, if we're not willing to die for what we believe, if we're not willing to die for what we're saying, if we're saying things just to get people's attention and man's admiration, well, when the time of testing comes, we are going to recant. And during the Reformation, I am sure that while many were martyred, many more recanted and just cooperated to save their own skin so that they wouldn't be put in a cold prison and wind up sick and starving and dying and being burned at the stake. And I do believe that with the level of persecution that's going to rise and the pressure through the tribulation, that many people, according to Scripture, are going to defect from the truth. They are going to deny Christ. They are going to recant. This is a climate that is very real. And everybody that's listening to all the outspoken men and women that are speaking against what is happening must be sure. Because if you're just a patriot and you don't have the spirit of God dwelling in you, if you're just, I love America, but you don't have the spirit of God in you, and your hearing and your speaking is not motivated by your passion and your love for God and your willingness to die for the cause of Christ and receive a martyr's crown in heaven, if it's just patriotism, when the pressure comes and the suffering begins on a high scale, now, January 6th was just a foretaste of what that looks like. So I'm not just going back to the 1500s to talk about some event that will happen shortly. I'm talking about things that are happening right now. And there are people that on January 6th that went to see their president that resisted 
uh, all the, de- the, the deception and the corruption that was going on in government and all the foul play and deception that was happening, well, we see that some were arrested for what they did. Now, we saw this very interestingly because for a year and a half prior to January 6th, people were breaking windows, robbing, killing, setting things on fire, looting, burning, breaking, and they were all released. And there was no introspection because it wasn't happening to the politicians in Washington, D.C. It was just happening to the common people who owned their businesses or lived in their homes. So they let Black Lives Matter and Antifa run rampant through the city streets of America, setting on fire even governmental and police stations, buildings, and yet there was no consequence, no consequence to 40 or 50 young people going to the stores on the West Coast of breaking in, busting things, robbing things, no consequence. But if you walked into a Capitol building on January 6th while the police were waving you in, which is now becoming common knowledge, and you're just walking around and you're, and you're doing whatever because you were welcomed into it, well, now you're sitting in a prison somewhere. That is a preview. That is a foretaste of what's happening. And you need to be prepared for it. And you need to be aware of it. And if you're listening right now, I don't care what device you're listening on, you're being monitored. You are being watched. Unless, of course, God is protecting you. But most likely, because of algorithms, because of modern technology, because of chips and cell phones, because of monitoring on the Internet, because of all the the control that they really do have, that they're getting ready to herd all the resistors. All the resistors are being monitored. And the time will come when your account will be emptied out, where you will not be able to use the system, or worse, you will be taken to prison and killed for being a resistor. And the mock courts that will be set up, even the kind that ridiculed Jesus, the mock court in the middle of the night that condemned Jesus Christ to death, Those courts are going to be everywhere. And whether you're guilty or not, whether you love God or not, whether you were just trying to tell the truth or not, you are a resistor to this new world order. You will suffer the consequences unless you recant and become part of that system, which means you will be one that will begin to betray others. You'll give names. You'll give information. You'll give addresses. You will begin to do all these things. And this is the climate that is growing within our nation. The enemy knows it. What we're saying right now, he doesn't like, because again, it is an exposure. Now, God, on the other hand, has been saying to his kids, come out of her, my people. Be ye separate, saith the Lord. What does that actually mean? You see, in the face of adversity, people would quit. They would, they would stop speaking. They would stop listening. They would disperse, get out of the way, hide in the crowd. But is that what the disciples did? Is that what the martyrs throughout the ages did? No, they had to go deep in their spirit. They had to go deep in their mind, in their soul. They had to ask a question. Am I willing to die for the cause of Christ? Will I be continually speaking against the evil, revealing it, declaring it, describing it, warning people against it, warning the wicked to repent before their day of accountability comes. You see, for you and I and the martyrs throughout the ages, we go through a moment of suffering and we become 
acquainted with our Lord Jesus Christ, the first martyr, the one that laid down his life for his Father in heaven and for all of us. And we, for a brief moment, go into a time of suffering, but we awaken in the resurrection with eternal life, with brand new bodies. If you were beheaded, you get a brand new head. You get a brand new body. Because these bodies right now cannot contain the glory that's going to be revealed in us. So we're getting down to a nitty-gritty moment, and we have to rightly divide it and understand it. Joe Biden is not the president of the United States. Joe Biden is not in control of this country, nor are the Congress, nor are the senators, nor are the judiciary. Those people long ago fell to the powers of darkness. They have been bribed. They have been monitored themselves. Their actions have been written in a book. And if they were ever to be exposed, well, you know. So they are now at the behest of a higher order of things coming from Satan himself, ultimately. But that satanic priesthood, that unnamed, unknown by face or name, people that are running things all over the world and everything, the synergy of that satanic gathering together, the believers, the resistors, are needing to be dealt with. And if you're just a patriot who loves your country, and you're wanting to speak out, like other patriots and other times, you're going to die. You're going to be arrested. You're going to be nailed to the cross. But will your life or your death have any meaning by just loving this country? Or are you speaking out against the satanic that's happening all over the world and understanding the times that we are living in? This is not about saving America. That's a very small thing. The nations are but a drop in the bucket, the prophet Isaiah said. This is way beyond saving America. This is now coming to a place of total darkness and total light. This is now a conflict of spiritual warfare like no one on the earth will have ever known before, except maybe in the rebellion of Lucifer, Satan, at the very beginning of time, which we weren't there. We don't know. We know that the earth was tohu and bohu. It was miserable, confusing, and chaos, but we don't know what it was like. Now, this is the climate, and the time of testing is coming, and there are already four winds of that testing. And so I just want to remind you that, yes, you could sit here and we could go through the Bible. I've got scripture I'm going to read right now. We're going to get into the Word of God. We could love the word of God, but the word of God will also call us to an accountability, not only in our personal conduct, but how to be salt and light in this world. And if we're afraid to be salt and light because of being exposed for our faith in Christ, well, then we are the cowards in Revelation 21 that will pay the price. I'm not saying there's not a time of wisdom where God says, now it's time to walk away. Now it's time to go into the wilderness. That time is upon us as well. And we're all seeking to hear the voice of God. We're all wanting to know. And so let me just say this. Right now, all over the world, there's so much. To understand it, to have a prophetic word, to bring clarity to what is happening in the world today, in Russia, in the Ukraine, in Israel, in Iran, in, in all the aspects of everything going on around the world. Come out of the throne room of God soaking wet with a, with a fresh 
holy word of God and then to present it to the people so that they will hear and understand what is going on. That's a powerful thing. But when I was seeking the Lord and saying, Lord, there has got to be a word, a prophetic word for our generation at this time. I mean, people are speaking everywhere. We're all prophesying. But Lord God, that word that comes right out of your heart for this very moment. You know what I heard him say? He quoted to me 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Though I have all prophecy and know all things and have not love, I am nothing. It profits me nothing. God was saying, yeah, I understand. People need a word. They need to know the truth. They need to see the pathway. They need to hear the prophetic word and follow it. Not just keep, you know, listening to prophetic words and then not responding, but following it. And God bless those of you who do. But more importantly than the knowing all Bible prophecy, knowing everything, more importantly, which will get you a following, by the way. Man, you prophesy something and it comes to pass. You can, you can get people to follow you and listen to you. But more importantly than that, God said, his word said, without love, it means nothing. I also want to rec- uh, give you one thought before we bring Pastor Jeff Bass onto the line today. I want to go through a couple of scriptures, and I want you to hear these. They're very simple, <clears throat> and there's, it's the same verse, but there's a difference, okay? And I want you to pick up the difference in this passage. So I'm going to begin in Matthew 16, 24. I'm going to read one verse. I'm going to read that same verse in Mark 8 and Luke 9, okay? This is the same verse. This is the same conversation Jesus was having with his disciples. Now, in Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, that's you and I today, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. All right, you get you hear that? That is that is the word of Jesus to all disciples throughout all ages. It's the word of the Lord to you and I today. There's a little difference as we're going to continue to read. Let me read it one more time. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, to deny in the Greek is the aporeneomi, okay? And it literally means to affirm that one has no acquaintance or connection with himself. Watch this. To affirm, to deny oneself is to affirm that one has no acquaintance or connection. It literally means to forget oneself, lose sight of oneself and one's own interests. It means to deny utterly, to disown. So Jesus said, unless you're willing to forget yourself, to lose sight of yourself, to have no acquaintance or connection with yourself, 
to utterly deny yourself. He said, that's the only condition to follow him. That's what he said, okay? So again, the scripture, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any will come after me, let him deny, disconnect from himself, take up, means carry, his cross, and follow me. Now, in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, this is the same conversation, just a little bit different. And let's see if you can catch it. Mark 8, 34, and when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So the only real difference there is in Matthew 16, 24, it was Jesus said, uh, Jesus unto his disciples, okay, here it's when he had called the people with his disciples. So that's a little difference there, the people with the disciples. And now Luke chapter 9 says the same exact thing, but there's a difference, okay? And here's where I think we need to press in and get the meaning. In Luke 9, 23, and he said to them all, all right? So he said to all, if any will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily and follow me. Ah, so I want to look at the word one more time to deny because I think it's a very powerful word and, it, and it, it's an instruction to what it means to be a disciple or a follower of Christ. To deny oneself, again, in the definition, refers to deny utterly, to disown Okay, also to affirm that one has no acquaintance or connection with himself or to forget oneself and lose sight of oneself and one's own interests. So in other words, to follow Christ means you don't have any of your own personal interests anymore. To follow Christ, you don't, it's not about saving yourself anymore. See, Yeshua, Jesus, is telling us how to be a disciple what it means to be a follower. And yet we live in a very selfish culture and all of our human nature is all about being selfish, self-centered, agendas, getting what is mine, going after what I can get, my best life now. But that's really not what Yeshua taught. Yeshua actually taught to abandon, to not even be acquainted with your own interests, your own desires, your own ways, your own wants, your own wishes, but to follow him and whatever he brings into your life or whatever he brings you into is sufficient. Whether it be much, whether it be little, whether it be, you know, small, big, whatever. Follow Yeshua. Now, each one of us can follow him, but how do we follow him? Each one of us are called to do what? Deny himself. Disassociate with your own interests. But by taking up his cross. Taking up the cross is the nullification of the self-life, self-will, self-interest. You know, I'm doing this today, but I'd rather be doing that. Well, if you're doing what Yeshua has led you to do, if you're following him, if you're saying what he wants you to say, if you're doing what he wants you to do, if you're living where he wants you to live, if you're going where he wants you to go, and you're really being 
led and you're following his life, his example, and you've lost interest with yourself, well, you're on the right track. And the carrying of the cross is the continual denial. Now, the difference, obviously, in Luke chapter 9, Yeshua said, take up his cross daily. It's not a one-time thing. You know, it's kind of like salvation. People say, well, I went to the altar and I accepted Jesus into my Christ, into my heart, and I repented of my sins that day at the altar. Well, guess what? You have to repent of your sins every single day as long as they're there. It's not a one-time act. Oh, I went to the altar, I confessed my sins, I repented, and I, I told God I'd never do it again, and now I'm saved, my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life forever, and that's the way it is. No, you must continue to walk in repentance, to live in holiness, to walk in faithfulness, to do what is right all the time, not allowing human nature to become what human nature is. You and I are to be carrying the cross, the nullification of our human nature, putting on the new man, walking in the spirit, producing the fruit of the spirit, and one more word about the fruit of the spirit. We have taught the fruit of the spirit for how long? And how long have you heard? How long have you studied? How long have you read about walking in the fruit? And we talk about it, love and joy and peace. And we have these definitions of love and joy and peace. And we say, this is what it means. And we all go, wow, that's good head knowledge. I now know what it means. But not until we experience the peace of God that passes understanding can we ever really define it. And not until we walk in the love of God and experience the love that he was talking about can we ever experience it. I could give you a definition of love, agape, affection, uh, you know, all of these unconditional love. I could give all the definition in the world about love and joy and peace and goodness and kindness and faithfulness and patience, self-control, and all of it, temperance, all of it. I could define it, but it's only head knowledge. We are to experience it, and then in the experiencing of that fruit, we will be able to define it, and maybe we will not be able to define it. The Apostle Paul said he went into the third heaven. He heard things he was not even permitted to speak. In other words, he didn't know how to, to say what he saw. He didn't know how to declare it. He didn't know. It was just impermissible. Nobody said, now, Paul, don't say anything. He just couldn't because the experience was beyond anything this world could ever describe. And when you and I walk in love and love is really taking root in us, maybe it will not be definable. Maybe it will be inexpressible, beyond comprehension. And the same with other fruits of the Spirit. But if we're walking in it, I can tell you this, it's going to be sheer delight. I mean, when you're, when you're filled with love and you're filled with joy and you're filled with peace and you're filled with goodness and kindness and, and all the fruit of the Spirit, you're walking in this way and that's your life, that's what you've become. Well, this is how, you, and the way to become that is by being a disciple. The way to become that is by being a follower. And the way that you are a disciple and a follower is you give up your own interests. You give up your own self. You have no acquaintance with your, oh, they treated me wrong. Oh, I'm offended because of what they did. Oh, I was insulted. I feel terrible. I'm going to throw a hissy fit or whatever. You see, when you're following Jesus, now, was he insulted? Yep. How did he handle it? Perfectly. Was he hated? Was he aligned? Was he misaligned? Was he you know, slandered, accused falsely? Was he called the devil and the prince of devils? Yes. How did he handle it? He just went on. He knew who he was. And this is how it's going to be for true disciples. And you wonder, well, 
Am I truly a disciple of Christ? Have I taken up my cross? Am I taking up my cross and following him daily in my life? Am I letting go of my self-interest? Or am I really introspective and inward and self-centered? It's a pretty big question. And you know what the answer to that is? Time is going to tell. Because the pressure is going to come what I'm really interested in, what I'm really centered in on, what I really am in my heart and what I really believe. It's all going to be known. And my prayer to God and my hope to God for you and for me is that our walk with God is genuine, that our walk with God is real. It is definitely a faith walk. We haven't seen him. We haven't heard the audible voice of God. Some claim that they have. But we do have a witness. We do have a testimony. God has done amazing things that before he came into our lives, it's never been done before. So we have a testimony with God through our faith. And we have been brought into a beautiful place in Christ. But we're talking about the the inward life of following Jesus in these dark days. And even when they're not dark days. Experiencing the fruit will give definition to something that definition in and of itself cannot define. I say all these things to you today because I I believe that we've just come, just like acceleration to a moment. You're hearing this for a reason. Understand. Let go of everything but Christ and let him guide you. Let him direct you. Don't be led by your emotions. Don't be led by your feelings, which we have all done. Don't be led by your thoughts. Remember, take captive every thought. Be careful what you're thinking. Keep thinking about the word of God. Think on these things. Think on things above, not on things of the earth. Finally, brother, think on these things, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is of good report, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is honest, right? Think on these things. Really force your mind, your will to associate with Christ. Become associated with him, disassociated with ourselves, and follow him and think of him and love him. And there are times where Peter is going to say, Lord, I'll follow you to death. And you wind up denying him because Peter didn't know what was in him. Peter did not understand himself. He had desire. He loved the Lord. He did want to follow him. He believed he would. But when it came right down to it with that pressure, watching what they were doing to him, and then being said, hey, you're part of him. He said, no, I'm not. I don't know the man. He denied Christ. He denied his association with Christ because he had not yet denied himself. He was still seeking to save himself. All the disciples fled from him that night. You know that. Because they disassociated themselves with him. They had to walk through that moment of shame and disgrace. They probably felt very embarrassed. We abandoned him. We ran from him like cowards. I'm sure there was a lot of thought and a lot of emotion. And all I'm saying here today, and I think this is just going to pave the way for the next step, because we've come to this moment, and our navigation in the days ahead during this time of transition, um, it needs to be glorious. And one final thought. 
a few weeks ago, I was preaching on a microburst of the spirit of the living God. A microburst, a sudden, powerful downflow, okay? In, in uh, weather conversation, it's what they call a microburst is when the, the, it's just right and then there's this downflow and it's powerful like a volcano, but it just, it's a microburst. We are approaching the great feast of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, there was a microburst of the glory of God that went into the upper room. We should be so hungering, begging for a microburst of God's glory to come into our local assemblies, into our personal lives. And that microburst will scatter everything of fear, doubt, worry, anxiety, self-centeredness, let the microburst come and clear out all that human nature, worldly, carnal, fleshly fear of man, of devils, of worldliness, of self-concern, self-effort, and may it clear space for more of the glory or the nature of Christ to come into our lives. We need a microburst. We need a microburst of God's power, his glory, his wisdom, his revelation, his truth, his presence. You see, the presence of God. I have often been by myself and have gone after the Lord and says, I need your presence. And you know what I heard God say to me one day? He said, you're, you're looking for, because I've had these encounters like you have with the presence of God that overwhelms you. You're on your face. You're knocked out. You're, you're being by the glory of God, right? But we don't always feel it. And so we say, Lord, I need your presence. You know what he said to me one day? He said, Vincent, my presence in you is what's holding you together. If I were to withdraw from you my presence that's established in you, you would turn into nothing. If I withdrew my presence, the measure that I have in you, that I've sown in you, that I've built into you, that I've established in you, that I've settled in you, you're walking with my presence, but it's not a feeling, but it's what's keeping you together. It's what's holding you together. I said, oh, God, okay, your presence is here. Let me just walk in it. I want to get closer. I want more. Is that okay? Well, absolutely. It's a hunger for more of God's presence because what we want ultimately is for his presence to overwhelm our own. We want his presence to take over. But the only way that could happen is by letting go of our own self-interest, our own associated association with our lives. In other words, you really do have to take up your cross daily and give up your life so that the life that God has for you can be lived out. And it's not always about a pink Cadillac and a big car and a big house. It's not always about the perfect marriage and family. Now, many, many testimonies around the world of people that have given up their lives and have, have chosen Christ have experienced a hundredfold of lands and brethren and houses. I mean, even Jesus told the disciples, Lord, we gave up everything to follow you. What about us? Oh, well, in this life, you'll get a hundredfold. And some people actually do, but with persecution. And you always have to be careful about the blessing that it doesn't get your focus on the blessing. Don't get your focus on the house, on the marriage, on the family, on the land. You can't do it that way. You accept everything as coming from God. Everything in your life, everything you have, every kind person, every good person, 
every dollar you have, wherever you live, you accept it as being from God because you know at the one point you chose Christ over all things. You are willing to give everything away to follow Jesus because he's life. And he's not here just for this vapor. He's eternal. Well, um, I said this again because I believe we have been accelerated to a moment wherein everything is going to change. I believe the great strike against the heart of the United States of America is at the door. I believe it's been spoken of for a very long time. I believe that Katrina times a thousand is about to be witnessed in our nation. I believe that God's word will not be mocked. And people can paint a portrait of their own imagination all they want to. But in this present climate, we need to know what's coming. Persecution against true followers or those who even confess to follow. But many are going to deny the Lord. Now, having said that, I want to get to our dear friend here, Pastor Jeff Bass is with us today. And I want to ask him to come and speak to us and let me get myself prepared to say good morning to Pastor Jeff Bass. I want to make sure that we have all of our settings properly. Pastor Jeff, good morning, sir. How are you? God bless you, and welcome to the broadcast. I'm doing excellent, doing fine. As they say uh, in my neck of the woods, I'm blessed and highly favored. Amen. Blessed, highly favored, and overcoming in the name of Jesus. Amen. Pastor Jeff, uh, you have things to share with the body. I believe that what you have to share is connected to part of the conversation we're having today about the persecution that's coming for being a follower, for being a hearer of the words of God, to being a resistor. And the things that are coming are things that most people would resist naturally. And so why don't we begin today with whatever God has put in your heart, Pastor Jeff Bass, and uh, why don't you greet the body of Christ today and let's move forward. Well, thank you, Pastor Vincent. First of all, as always, I just want to thank you for allowing me to be here with you and, and providing this platform for us to dialogue and to uh, to share with with the people out there who are listening uh, what thus saith the Lord as he's given it to us. I um, uh, secondly want to, want to compliment you and thank you for, 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 for giving me some great, great information that, uh, on your through your own fire teaching about discipleship, I'm going to use that, man, uh, uh, if at all possible. I'm going to call it a 3D picture of discipleship. You gave us, you said we got to deny ourselves. Uh, what else did you say? We got to um, deny ourselves, death to our flesh, and devotion to him. So, Amen. I mean, you were Amen. on fire. Thank you for that <laughs> awesome teaching and awesome word. I receive it, and I'm going to use it, Okay. Amen. God bless you, my friend. Go with it, run with it, multiply it in Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. If, it, if it's okay with you, I just want to I just want to have a quick word of prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for what you've already done, God, through your man of God, Father. We thank you for the word that has come forth, God. Father, we pray that you uh, encamp your ministering angels around us, cover us with your blood. Father, we pray that we thank you that the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit is already here, present and moving and flowing through this teaching today, God. Father, we just know no weapon formed against us shall prosper, and greater is you that is in us than he that is in the world. And we pray that every eye will be open to see spiritually, ear to hear, and heart to receive, what thus via the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen, and thank God. Amen. Hallelujah. Very, very good. I love it. Amen. Amen. Um. 
you you said a lot, Pastor. Um, I just have a couple of key key things I want us to to, to touch on. Uh, a couple of key articles, um, but I think sometimes what the Lord has been showing me, people they 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 don't tend to receive because they don't they don't they don't sense the urgency or they don't really grasp what's going on. They just think, well, you know, it's it's business as usual, but but it's not. And so I've been praying that God that would not only open my eyes, but the people that I share with that he will open their eyes spiritually to see and to receive the words that we're giving them through revelation of the Holy Spirit or, or, or articles or whatever, because we are in a spiritual warfare. We are in a battle. It is good versus evil. It's not, as we've said before, it's not what people think it is. It's, it's really deeper than than what we see in the natural. I mean, um, and I'll probably just get back to that. Um the first thing I, w- I wanted to share with you is, and I think I talked, you and I talked about this uh, offline a couple of days ago, is that um, Representative Michael McCall, he's a Republican from Texas, I believe, he was on one of the Sunday talk shows. You know, you have like Meet the Press, the Fox Sunday, all those different talk shows. And he was on this past Sunday on one of the shows. And uh, his his whole point was that he believes that um, statistically, he said, it looks like in November the Republicans are going to flip flip the Senate, you know, and the House, or, or, or a better way, the way to put it, flip Congress. And he, he his terms, it looks like it's going to be uh, uh, a midterm bloodbath. He said for them, he said he looks like, in in his opinion, that they're going to flip and win forty seats. Now that's what he said. He said, and the reasoning was because of the current administration's issues, uh, unpopular issues on, like, gas prices, which are high, uh, the foreign policy, inflation, and so forth. So he said he's very confident. So my point is I'm not here to uh, endorse or deny that. That's not what I would say. Where that led me to, so I saw that on Monday. So then keep that in mind. That's what he said. So we, we, they, we all know that it's going to be midterm elections supposedly here in the U S in November. This is coming November. Well, ironically, Monday, this article came out. It says global government alert threat to national sovereignty set to go down May 22nd through the 28th at the world Health Organization. So uh, I won't keep saying World Health Organization. The acronym, of course, is is the WHO, WHO. So the they're going to have what's called the the WHO World Health Assembly is going to be taking place May 22nd through the 28th, you know, next month. And the uh, the article went on to say the WHO is attempting a power grab, quietly setting up a single globalized response to all future pandemics. As previously reported, the deep state predators in the U.S. and Western governments have decided the world needs a centralized pandemic response controlled and run by the U.N. World Health Organization via what's called an international treaty. According to the WHO's own website, on March 31st of this year, it announced an urgent call for an international pandemic treaty, stating that such a treaty is needed to orchestrate a single 
globalized response to pandemics. And 25 heads of government and international leaders have come together in a joint call to form the treaty. Then it says, don't forget that Yuval Noah Harari, who is the chief advisor to Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum, has stated that globalist elites will use crises to bring about world government. Keep that in mind as we go forward, as I, as I parenthetically interject. Catastrophe opens the door. This is still Harari talking. Quote, he says, catastrophe opens the door to massive changes that people would otherwise never accept. Even more pressing than the treaty itself right now is something almost no one is paying attention to in, uh, in U.S. political, religious, or media circles, and that involves a set of amendments that will set the parameters and define the scope of the proposed new global health treaty. The U.S. government has submitted 13 amendments that it would like to see folded into the treaty, you know, the treaty that they're going to go in, uh, and, and try to ratify on May 22nd through the 28th. And these amendments are seen by many as sovereignty killers. So I'll just stop right there and, you know, so, so you can jump in or whatever. But the whole gist before I turn it over, on May 22nd and 28th, this is going to be, I didn't say where it's going to be, in uh, Geneva, Switzerland. And it's going to be attended by delegates from 192 nations. And it's during this meeting that members will be voting on the 13 amendments that, that the U.S is proposing, and it will hand over, if it's approved, it will hand over additional sovereignty, control, and legal authority to the World Health Organization, uh, the WHO. And the WHO, if these amendments are approved, will now have the authority to declare an international health emergency overriding national government. So the point being, if there's another pandemic or or, or health scare or whatever, they will, the World Health Organization will have the sovereign authority to, to call lockdowns or, or, or do whatever. They will be in total control of every government. You know, that information is absolutely amazing, uh, it, the scope of it. And the man you're talking about, Harari, I have seen him several times. And one of the things that captured my, my understanding when he was speaking at the World Economic Forum and Jan, uh, uh, not Jan, but um, Chancellor Markel was there, and all these global leaders were in this room. He took the stage, and he began with his background of information. And all of a sudden, all these global world rulers were like little children in a kindergarten class being instructed by this man. And the impression that I had is that this satanic being – the spirit that was in him was lecturing them and teaching them about the way things are going to be. And then of course he openly admitted that he was a homosexual, that he was a gay man. And he was saying, we don't want a God above the clouds. We create our own God in the clouds, the iCloud, the Google cloud. And so he's a, uh, an atheist. He does not believe in God or religion. He's the uh, purporter of the algorithms and technology. And now you're saying that he's proposing the World Health Organization as a singular unit 
to control every pandemic and to issue whatever decrees they desire when something hits the world stages. That's, that's amazing. But but listen to how this ties into my because some may be saying well you you mentioned about what Representative Michael McCall said and how do, how does that um, how does that tie in to to this article let me let me continue the international health uh, regulations would be legally binding and supersede the U.S. Constitution the U.S. has proposed amendments to the legally binding. Uh, international health regulations that will be voted upon at the next World Health Assembly, which I told you May 22nd to 28th. And if anybody goes to the article, they can they can get the official document. But 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 here here it comes. These proposed amendments will cede additional sovereignty, control, and legal authority over to the to the WHO. These amendments will not require approval by two thirds of the U.S. Senate. If they are approved as submitted by the U.S by a simple majority of the 194 member countries of the World Health Assembly cu- countries, these amendments would enter in, I'm sorry, would enter into force as international law six months later. And then they had in parentheses. So here, here's, here's the catch. Six months later from this, if this is amended next month, six months later they got in parentheses, November 2022. What's supposed to happen this November, 2022, in the U.S.? I'm just saying. Supposedly, yeah, yeah, the elections. It's, suppo- it's supposed to be the midterms. It's like I told you before. I don't, I don't know. This is, I'm, this is not a prophetic word. It may not happen because if this passes, then they could, they could just declare any time. I mean, it, it could happen before then, but it could lead up to. If, they're, if, if, if the who says everything's locked down, everything's locked down. Mm. So that might disrupt the elections. Mail-in ballots again, right? Exactly. Wow. So you're going to have a repeat, uh, a, a, a wash, rinse, repeat. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. And so something this goes to, back. to think about. Oh, it's a lot to think about, and it, it really lends credence to what we've been hearing for years about a one-world government, a one-world court, a one-world police force, a one-world religious order, a one-world health organization, and here it is, and it's making its move in May, about a month away. Wow, just less also, than a month at this also, point. It, also, Pastor says, the amendments will give the director general of the WHO the power to unilaterally declare a public health emergency of international concern, even over the objection of the country dealing with an outbreak of disease, according to changes made to U.S. regulations that were published one day before Donald Trump was inaugurated, January 19, 2017, the definition of a public health emergency in the U.S. now includes the declaration of a EIC, Public Health Emergency International Concern, by the WHO. A unilateral declaration of a PHEIC by the WHO will enable the, de- will enable the declaration of a public health emergency by the U.S. Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services. The amendments proposed by the U.S. would also give the, uh, uh, the uh, dir- Director General of the WHO the legal authority to unilaterally issue an intermediate public health alert so there you have it but they, yeah, but they sure. say no one's talking about it in the in the u.s 
uh, here the article says you don't hear any anything, you don't hear any our politicians, mainstream media, no pastors are alerting anyone to these uh, monument to, to those monumental some would say biblical changes. No one's talking okay. about. It. Yeah, you're you're right, and I thank God that you are, and I know that this is part of your calling. Uh, after your many, many years of pastoring, but you've also, this is what you've done, collected information, scanned through many articles and and brought this information so people could consider it. So it almost sounds, this is eerie because I still, I I believe we are still in America under the Emergency Powers Act. I don't think that was ever listed. So that is almost like a step in the direction of one that's able to declare martial law over the nation. And in what we noticed during the pandemic that took place in uh, 2019, 2020, 2021, is that it, um, it, it separated people in this country in, in a very real way, those who would and those who would not. And the resistors seem to have, you know, uh, gotten, you know, not in popularity with those that did, and yet those that did were not popular with those who didn't. And it kind of brought this this situation, but this is kind of leading into the next step in the year ahead of us where there could be a release. I mean, if there were a release of some uh, virus uh, that would hit the world again, a, a new form or an adaptation or, you know, some spawning bacteria or virus, and the World Health Organization declared the mandatory vaccination of all citizens of the United States, um, that would be very, very um, important because it would seem to get a little bit more aggressive if a super virus were to hit. Um, is that is that kind of what you're talking about here? Is that what we're reading? Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I'm, uh, when, you, when you were teaching early, I was just jotting a few notes here. I think what I would say to everyone who, who's, who may not be fully grasping this or some people say, well, you know, I don't quite get it. You heard me use terms, not use terms, but I read terms in there about globalists, elitists, and whatever, again, about good versus evil. Uh, there's a group of people who want to control society. And I'm not just saying that. I'm just also quoting the Bible, you know, not, not quoting the Bible, but we know that there's going to be an Antichrist. And we know that the uh, uh, one world uh, or like a new world order type of, type of thing that's going on. Um, hold on one second, please. Yeah, we know, we know that that's, that is, is, is going to take place. So this group of elitists, who, you know, have finances, whatever, satanic, demonic, they they basically have a plan through the uh, WEF, World Economic Forum, and they've already said what I'm saying now is, is written out there. I've read it. Their plan, they've got, they've got a, this is 2022, eight-year plan now, because at, at 2020 they had a 10-year plan, because they were saying by 2030, uh, humanity, will, we, will, we will not own anything, but you will love it. So all this stuff that you see that's taking place right now, uh, uh, whether it's a pandemic, whether you see what I just read about the WHO, they're trying to get things in place, and they're setting up their system. They're setting up their their uh, 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 tentacles of the new world order, one world government. They've got other articles. People are trying to set up 
from uh, from the religious standpoint, you know, the one world religion, where they're trying to take Christianity and Islam, and they've come up with a word, created a word, Chrislam, and 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 there's and by by a certain time, you know, they want everybody to worship one God, you know, one world government with blockchain and and all of these, uh, you know, uh, cashless society, one world government, which which this article is leading to, where the who would be the one that every government, instead of being sovereign in the United States making their their decisions, or Australia, whatever country, now the, the who would have the authority as that one world government authority to shut stuff down if they want to, to do whatever. So I want people to see this is real. This is not some dystopian 1984 movie or book that we read. There, this is actually playing out real time in our lives and stuff. So, yeah, that that's what I see, you know, because they it, it, there's there there's articles where the globalists they 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 want to depopulate. The people will say, "What do you mean by that? Why 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 do they feel that there should be depopulation?" Well, the uh the my my best case and uh a uh, 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 guesstimate is that they want to play God. You know, so so therefore they feel there's too many people in the world. So okay, so we got to kill some people. You know, uh, uh, we 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 feel that we don't. Uh, uh, we think humans need to be merged with machines and artificial intelligence. So therefore, they you know we want transhumanism and stuff. And I'm on the, on the next thing, you know, I, I I'll get more into that. But I guess to short answer your question, that that's where they that's where they want to go. So I think people need to not not. Turn 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 a blind out of this. This is what's actually actually going on, Pastor. Uh, there's a there's a, a there's an evil demon, demonic satanic plan, and the the sad thing is, a lot of people you think that aren't in it, they are in on. It. And I'm not talking about just just politicians. I'm I'm talking about corporations have already bought into this. There, I mean. Wow. Uh, as as we used to say, growing up, you know, with the guys, they're in on it. They know they're down with it. They they put their uh, you know they got skin in the game. They got money in the game. So to, uh, to them, when I say game, it's not a game, but 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 you get what I'm saying. They're sure. they're, they're financially and uh, uh, thumbs up supporting this. You know we you know we're we're all in is what they're saying. You know so. The only people that don't know, see, like, is us, you know, uh, the Christians, the, uh, the church, when I say that, the church. And, and that's that's my goal. Lord, use me to uh, to share information or whatever and pray and everything because the, the body of Christ is like we're just silent and standing by. And we don't, you know, I, hey, I've heard of that, but is it real? You know, what do I do and stuff? So I'm not bashing anyone, but I'm just saying we perish for lack of knowledge. So I believe that's, I thank God for your show, you know, your your platform for us, you know, to get this information out. Amen. And I think a lot of people are very thankful that it is happening. And uh, we thank God for what you're sharing here. I know there's a couple of more uh, articles that are going to bring us in different directions in just a moment. But when you're talking about the World Health Organization, a global, um, you know, oversight committee of, you know, sickness, disease, and all these different things. Um, it's interesting 
that it says in Revelation chapter 13, in verse 4, and they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, who is like unto the beast, who is able to make war with him? And uh, this beast is what we're talking about today. There are many different components. He's got seven heads, ten horns. Um, You know, there's a lot to it, but this is one of those horns of power, if you will, controlling the world, declaring what to do when a when a, when, a, <laughs> when a virus may hit the earth or something of that, or a pandemic shows up. Um, and again, this is the, and the world is going, yes, we worship this. We give our allegiance to this. Um, we side with you. You are the government. You are the wise one. You are the ones that understand. And all these resistors over here, well, you know, they're really bad people. And so the world will be so prepared to worship the dragon and the beast in all of its diversity that it's bringing about. Um, Let's move on. And by the way, Pastor Jeff, everything you're talking about right now, it has been done before in in previews, in types, in shadows, in glimmers, Um, you know, going back to the Inquisitions, going back to people being persecuted because they didn't go with the, the status quo. It's been before, and it's all arriving at this moment of destiny in the end, end times, in the last days. Um, we see it happening everywhere. So what would you like to jump into next? Well, I want to, as we transition into the next article, I just want to let everybody know that I do believe that, you, you know, that you truly, you know, not only are you my friend, but you're a mighty man of God, and God speaks through you. You've been saying for a while and you may, after I say this, you know, if you want to, you can go back for those who may be new to the broadcast today or, 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 or just to reiterate where you're a lights out scenario. And I, what I wanted to share with you is that, and, and the people out there, that they should listen to you. And, I, and, and, and God, I believe, kind of just gave me and my wife kind of a glimpse of that last night. We had finished Bible study. We do an online Wednesday night. Uh, go-to-meeting type Bible study, interactive. It's about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. So around, we're on Eastern time here, about an hour later, around 9, uh, around 9.15, 9.30, maybe last night, Eastern time. Uh, my wife was in the other room. Uh, she was there just kind of chilling, as you say, sitting in the chair, had the TV on. I'm I'm here um, in the, in the uh, kitchen area across from her, um, I was listening to a, to a broadcast on online of something, and I had my headphones on or whatever. But long story short, so we're sitting here and just manning our business, and all of a sudden, Pastor, I mean, the lights went out. Hmm. The power, I mean, and you can tell when you look outside. I mean, the, I mean, the, it, it was, you know, not like you know your circuit breaker in your house, even the street. I mean, and and it was out for like probably less than thirty seconds. But I won't say frightening, but it was startling, you know. And so we weren't afraid of but but, but like I looked over and it, uh, it was pitch dark. And I said, you, are you okay? She said, yeah, you. Uh, so we immediately began to take action, but, you know, but it came back on fairly quickly. But what I would say to people is, you know, you, and you could sh- sh- jump in with your lights out scenario, but just that quickly this happened. But That's right. we have been prepared, Pastor. We, you know, because we knew right here in, in, in the house where to go. To you know, we had lanterns, we had other stuff. We were prepared. 
scripturally like the ten virgins uh, parable. We were like the five virgins that were wise. And we've been uh, here telling our congregation, you know, for the last three, four years, be prepared. Be prepared spiritually, but be prepared in the natural. Could be an EMP. There could be whatever. So I'm not, that wasn't an EMP, but I just think, you know, I, uh, I look at it, God, you were showing me just a quick glimpse. But we'll just say no more, 30 seconds of what it was like. And I say to mm-hmm. people, could you imagine if the power went up, if the grid was down, you had no, no, no lights, no power for 30 days. All the chaos that could that could happen. But I'll turn it over to you, you know, so if you want to jump back in with what you were saying, because there may be some people who don't know what, what I mean by lights out, you know, a lights out situation that you've been talking about for so long. And uh, I do believe it's coming. And I and and, I, and that through that I'm not saying God a lot you know caused that, but it just kind of reiterated you know stuck, struck a chord with me. Be prepared because the lights could go out at any time. Well, Amen. They certainly can. And what an amazing experience that you had. And you you imagine 30 days. Well, Congress um, declared that a lights out scenario for the first 30 days, 10 million people would be dead in the United States alone. And those 10 million people dead in 30 days is coming from congressional hearings where they're trying to warn everybody about the electrical grid and, you know, this electromagnetic pulse or a software breach or a cronial mass ejection from the sun or a solar flare. So, you know, and I believe that will happen at some point because of what happened 31 years ago in a minor uh, experience of being taken up into space and, you know, seeing the blackness of space and then looking down, seeing our planet and then descending down into the planet, making out the North American continent, seeing the little tail of Florida. And as I'm getting closer to our continent, there are little lights on here and there, but it's dark. It's a dark continent. I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything about EMPs or lights out in those days, 31 years ago. And I remember landing somewhere on the East Coast, I think it's around Boston, and it was charcoal gray, like Russia had taken over the United States was the only way to describe it. And there was a man walking through the streets on the cobblestones and the echoing footprints. And he walked to a door where there was a house with a light on. He knocked on the door. I'm viewing this in the spirit. The man of God answers the door and his body filled the frame and he had x-ray vision. And he looked right into that man and immediately discerned he'd been playing games with God. He's afraid. He's just looking for a place to rest his flesh. And then I went into that home in the spirit And in there, I heard music that was more heavenly than anything I've ever heard on earth. There was someone laying on a couch. There were seven or eight people. There was a golden flask of oil open. There was healing going on. And the presence and the glory of God was amazing. The man of God would not let that other man into that environment because he knew he would quench the spirit. And he shut the door and the man went on. So now, all these years later, I realized what I saw. I believe that God revealed a time will come when our nation will go dark, but there will be little areas of light. And those little areas of light I've always viewed as home fellowships. Maybe it's beyond that, but I believe there will be gathering places for God's elect who love the Lord, where the glory of God will be there. He'll set a defense around the glory. Isaiah chapter four, verse five, I believe it is. And so God will nourish his people in the wilderness. But I do believe that lifestyle scenario will come. And uh, so I'll let you pick it up from there, Pastor Jeff. 
No, I, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like I said, I, I, uh, I had, um, had been in agreement with you about that, still in agreement with you. You know, we've had, um, you know, dreams and situations of, of, of stuff happening to cause that and everything. And, you know, my, my point to everyone out there, to, uh, you know, not as a, you know, we're not fear mongers and, and stuff like that. It's just, you know, be prepared. And people, you know, if you don't know, you know, I mean, you know, <laughs> I had a teaching several over the last few years with our congregation, the church, and we pastor here. You know, I mean, it wasn't any any rocket science scientist stuff. It just, hey, you know, from a, from a natural standpoint, of course, common sense stuff. You know, do you have batteries? Do you have flashlights? Do you have candles? You know, are you prepared? You know, do you, you know you know do you keep 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 uh, keep your your gas tank full of gas? You know. Uh, do you have an escape route plan? Do you, you know, uh, have you communicated with your family members? So if you're separated, you know, so that you could connect somewhere if you have to, if you have to uh, escape re- really quickly, you know, just, just a lot of just common, common sense stuff. You, you know, people might say, in, uh, in case or not just in case, but <laughs> if and when it happens, because you know, it's not if we know that it, it probably is. But uh, because there's even been uh, articles where, you know, uh, similar to that, um, what do you call it, that simulation before now, um, uh, before COVID. Remember back in October of, of 2019 in New York, they did a big simulation. I think it was called Project 201 or something, whatever, where they simulated a uh, pandemic-type experience. And then, of course, three months later, it actually happened. So... Um, you know, no one ever said that the uh, the people who are doing this stuff are are are, are super smart. I mean, I would say that, that that they think they're very bold and they don't care. They just put out what's going to happen. It's kind of like giving you this uh, a spoiler alert or or predictive programming before it happens and stuff. You know, the key is are we paying attention? And I think I think I know we are, and I hope everybody is paying attention to what to what's going on and, and that they're prepared. Now, Pastor Jeff, you were just talking earlier about this man by the name of Harari, who's at the very top. He's the counselor to Klaus Schwab, who wants everybody to have nothing and love it by 2030. He was talking, you said, about how a catastrophe is useful and needful for the global control that uh, they want to have. What better catastrophe right now than for them to prepare themselves for a lights-out scenario so they're out of the way and allow it, the implosion of societies perhaps around the world or just to get this resistor nation, America, out of the way, to break it. You could use war. You could use pandemic. You could use many different things. Why not at this time with technology the way it is, why not utilize it, shut the power down for six months? By that time, it's only a cleanup for whatever exists at that time. Meanwhile, they're living in certain places, controlling things. Um, why not? It could happen. Well, yeah, it why could not? happen. I mean, you know, and, and when you say that, you know, think about it. I mean, let's just let's let's just kind of quickly walk through the scenario. Like last night, you know, we we were prepared, but who is prepared? Like you said, what what the Congress and everything said, how many people would die after thirty days? But have we thought about? How how that would necessarily kind of play out, and I thought about some of some of the ways. First of all, 
if there's no lights, you know, most of us have security systems in our home, but that probably wouldn't work if there's no power and stuff. So now, after so long, people who don't have, who who aren't prepared, like the five foolish virgins, now you're going to start seeing chaos from the perspective of people stealing or trying to break in because you know it's the survival of the fittest. You know, hey, I don't have, but I got to live and I got a family, so. I'm, I've got to go maybe break into someone's house, and they don't have a security system. So now, do the, you know, they may not be able to protect themselves. Second Amendment, you know what I'm talking about. So now people, you know, you, you, you're going to have all types of chaos. Uh, the police are going to be, you know, super busy trying to stop people from breaking in, and not only breaking into homes, but breaking into a lot of different stuff. I mean, it, it, it's just, we could go on. It, uh, no, uh, what about food? I mean, you, you know, you, you have no electricity, so everything you had in your freezer is gonna spoil after after so long. So now you gotta eat. You got it's just it's just it's just chaos, and that's what they thrive in because the new world order wants to bring their their motto is to bring order out of chaos. But you can't bring order if something is you you know there has to be the chaos so you can bring in your order, their order, their new world order and stuff. But I wanted to you know I know you you know with time and everything the other thing that I just wanted to share. I don't have an article say, but but I sent you um, something that I had received uh, from a from a Christian author. I I had like purchased one of his books four, five, six years ago, and I'm still on their mailing list. And this Christian author had a um, I guess like a, a a Zoom call or a Facebook live, so to speak, with a a Christian pastor. Uh, out of South Carolina, and they and the overall theme for uh, for their their uh, their little YouTube uh, hour long teaching was can faith exist in the metaverse? And for those who may may not know, most of you probably uh, people who are listening do know metaverse is the kind of the uh, the latest iteration of uh, uh, Zuckerberg who owns Facebook. You know that transition that. Took, uh, began to take place, I think it was October or November of last year, where, where they changed from being, we still call it Facebook, but, but, but actually they, they view it now not as Facebook, but, but Metaverse. Mm-hmm. And um, th- this author had over, over 350 people. Uh, when I got, this, um, got it from him, he, you know, he sent me to YouTube and the Facebook uh, viewing of it. They had over 350 people that night to watch it, and the topics they talked about as it relates to can faith exist in the metaverse was, um, it said the topic was faith. Although we did dive into business in the metaverse, how, how would you parent in the metaverse, sex in the metaverse, trans species, and many other, he said, wild but relevant topics. And so they were talking about is the metaverse bad? How does the metaverse relate to crypto? And, and you know, and a whole bunch of stuff is about. It was about an hour, fifty-five, fifty-nine minutes. But why I bring it up is because there are there are several, well, more than several, but there are quite a few now, well-known pastors, Christian pastors, and churches, Christian churches, who have bought into the metaverse, so to speak. And I think I, I, uh, I was on your broadcast probably November or December or whatever. I know it was the end of last year talking about uh, and sharing other articles uh, from a Christian perspective that this metaverse is not good. It's not godly. Put it that way. It may be – so you may think something's good, but yeah. 
there's nothing per se godly because there's there's bad bad consequences that can come from from this metaverse. And again, I think it's just another. This is just me, but put it uh, connecting the dots. I think it's another globalist situation to drive us into this transhumanism thing, merging of uh, not only that, but but augmented reality, virtual reality, us, you and I, and all of us being real people, and now taking us into some type of alternate reality and uh, uh, messing with the mind and the imagination. And like Pastor D, my wife, and I were saying, you know, we're not going to fool with it because we, we, we feel it's not of God, but you get into this alternate uh, universe or reality and you can't get out, then what you're going to do, you know? So, uh, I, you know, I just thought we might, you know, kind of, kind of share that and, 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 and look at that and uh, yeah. inform some Christians, pastors, whomever body of Christ about it that may not know about it. Because uh, lastly, as I did a little research, you may not know about it, but your children know about it. Trust me. <laughs> Go ahead, Pastor. No, it's okay. I want you to get it out. and we're, We don't have to rush. I've, I've given us um, some ample time to get the things done. Uh, a couple of things about what you're talking about, the metaverse. The, the, I listened to the conversation. Uh, they talked about a movie. I turned the movie on. I couldn't watch the whole thing because the language was a little raw, not, not terrible, but it exposed what this whole metaverse thing is about. And um, it's pretty eerie. It predicts uh, the world in 2045, how everybody's in their home, you know, with their goggles on, their, uh, you know, their, their alternate reality or their viewing glasses, uh, and they step into this world. Uh, before we launch into that, before we, uh, you, you go, um, I just I, I want to bring this out because I think it's not just uh, hyper-sensationalizing things, but I think it's important to consider, for example, what we just were talking about, and you, you get me onto this, uh, the, e, the EMP, the lights out scenario. Is it possible that the open borders, I mean, if you're getting ready to control or manage a crisis, if you're going to create a catastrophe, you, there's a lot of planning that goes into that. You know, that's why they do those simula- simulations. So is it possible, what I'm seeing in my, in my mind's eye, and I want to be careful about it, is that this Article 42, this open borders, the hundreds of thousands of people that are pouring into our country from foreign countries. Um, you know, if you're a foreigner living in a foreign nation and you really didn't know, you were told, hey, go out there, you're going to start a new life, there's going to be a good job. But your real intent, the real intent of those that open the door to let you in is so that you're going to wake up one day with the lights out and how are you going to survive as a foreigner? You know, and then the element. So Americans won't be killing Americans, so to speak, but there will be the foreign population kind of wide-eyed and bugged out thinking, man, what am I doing here? How am I going to survive? Fear takes hold of them, and they go on the rage, uh, you know, to do the things they got to do to survive for themselves, not knowing this culture. I think that's very important. And also, uh, Don Huddle was on here a couple of years ago, and he talked from a military perspective uh, when the lights do go out, the military powers within the United States would, to some degree, they would surround particular cities and they would lock them down and nobody would come in and nobody would go out. 
And so in nighttime and in those days, the people in those cities would be left to themselves, not police controlling the streets, but the in total anarchy that would happen in those cities surrounded. So nobody going in and going out. What a nightmare scenario that would be. But that's part of the military preparation for what is coming. And we've seen all these previews. So now we shift into the metaverse. You know, people are going to want to escape reality, right, Pastor Jeff? So what happens next? First of all, two two things. The first thing that was my concern was that the church, not as a whole, when I say this, I'm not making, I don't want to, I don't want to just uh, uh, make a sweeping generalization that all churches are doing this, but Satan is Satan is is is, is subtle and tricky. I mean, I'm not. I'm just saying we we we've studied that in the Bible, and I think people who who do the work that's used by Satan to do that, you know, you know, to do Satan's bidding, they're also smart and subtle. So. Going back, I, I, I told you maybe maybe I didn't say it on uh, on the air that you know per my readings and discovery that this was around the same time around October November of last year when Mark Zuckerberg just before he announced the transition from Facebook to Metaverse that he was working a partnership with I believe it was either Hillsong or one of the, about the but I think it was Hillsong so. But 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 one of the mega mega church organizations to have a partnership and and behind the scenes he had been working with churches sharing with them about the metaverse you know yada yada try try to tell them about this let's work together I've, I've you know I've got a platform for you and everything so developing relationships so moving from that now I won't name the churches or whatever but the, that I've discovered but there's some well known churches. And the pastor has pretty much signed off on it and so forth. And they are having, they already have churches in the metaverse. You know, uh, the best way I know to describe it, uh, some, some, some of your listeners may, may be Star Trek fans uh, or, or not, but if not, but the whole point was not in the original Star Trek, but the one with, with, with Picard, Star Trek, the next generation. They, have, they had something on there, a technology called the holodeck. And that's where, you know, the crew, if you wanted relaxation and to get away from the, you know, hey, you're out here, you know, strange new worlds, you wanted some some rec, some recreation, they would they had like a little card, like an access card, and you could go into this holodeck. And the card would be something, I guess, to explain it, like if I wanted to go back to the uh, 1800s or whatever, back in, you know, back in history, and, and I put the card in, it would open the door like an elevator door, and now I actually walk from, you know, reality being in the ship into this room, and it's like I'm in whatever setting in the 1800s or the 1700s or whatever, you know, and I could be in full. Now I'm automatically in whatever attire that was in that setting and the weapons maybe if it was in dueling pistols or whatever. And the whole, I mean, it was like I had left the reality into that dream reality I wanted to go into. So that's to me, as I've studied it and seen and read, that's what the metaverse is going to be like. You're going to go into, you know, you have the goggles on, you know, you, you, you saw the YouTube, but they say it's going to get even more refined where it won't have the big goggles. But you'll get into this kind of a fake alternate reality world, 
And the point, Pastor, is churches are already having services for uh, for people to come in there. And and this guy was that I was listening to, and others I've read about. Well, you know, we had this service. It was about an hour, and there was an avatar, even though it wasn't real people. We had people log in who who were there, and the people who logged in weren't saved. And we gave them a, a altar call, and we had two people two, two people to accept Christ. But now people would would argue with me. Well, that's a great thing. Well, yeah, but do you a know that they really did accept Christ? You know the whole nine yards, but. Beyond that, it's just the it's it's the imagination of man being continually evil. Genesis six. It's it's you know it's when you go deeper. They were talking about beyond be, uh, the church being in there that uh, you could be on a beach and you know your imagination sees a lady with a you know uh, a young young lady with a bikini on and you know whatever your mind can go off and. Now you could even go and do, you know, do stuff, sexual acts. Uh, they even said trans species. You know, if you wanna wanna have, you know, do something perverted with an animal, and you could all whatever your imagination thinks uh, to uh, 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 to paraphrase it, you can do in the metaverse. Whatever. It's not good. <laughs> I mean, there's no. no way I can uh, I, I I can put lipstick on the pig, as they say. I can't I can't dress it up. I mean, it's not good, and and you know, to me, it's just a a, a, a bait and switch to uh, for, as it relates to the church to get the pastors to try to get their congregation to put by the goggles, sit there, and you get in this universe, and other people from all over, they say the world or whatever, can be in the uh, uh, in the metaverse, and you connect, and you can be as one again as one. It, it, it's it's just not good. My, it doesn't sit well with my spirit, and as long as I'm a pastor, I will never endorse anything like that. No, in, in fact, Pastor Jeff, uh, the truth of the matter, I believe with all my heart, biblically speaking, Jesus mentioned, and I'd love to find the scripture I was just looking for, he said that um, people are going to try to get into heaven by going another way. They're not going to go through Christ. They're going to try to enter in another way. They're thieves and robbers. And so... What I see in what's happening, this is, you know, like the holodeck you were talking about. You know, this is the alternate reality. This is going to heaven. This is the counterfeit of a person living on this earth in the integrity of Christ, being a true follower of Yeshua, not getting involved in the cosmetics and the technology of the day and getting sucked into the the trap that is going to spring upon the whole world. And heaven is our hope. Um, Heaven is our Uh, our destination in the sense of after being conformed to his image, there is a place called heaven. Um, And heaven is this beautiful place of reality. And yet people are trying to find a heavenly place in a counterfeit way without having to go through Christ and being obedient to the word of God. So it's, it's that cleverness of Satan that you're talking about uh, once again. So. But, 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 but pastor is, as you were saying that, but what I would say to everyone, we said a lot, but it's all part, and, and, and it's really, it's, here's the best way I can put it, plan of the new world order, mm-hmm. where everybody will be under control of the Antichrist, and you'll be, just like you, you, you talked about when you first came on this morning, about being surveilled, 
and everything. All of this, all of this is part of a big plan. And the big plan, like I said before, which scripturally talks about the Antichrist and the and and the the mark of the beast and 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 the new world order in some aspects. Basically, what Swab and all these guys are saying is, we this group, this small group of elitists, is going to control everything being led by, of course, to, I believe, by the Antichrist. And society as we know it is, is no longer going to be. They're, they're, they're wanting, wanting it to happen by 2030. You said with the, with the metaverse stuff by, by 2045. So, but, but we cannot, I, I believe, safely say they believe that they can have all of this in place by 2030. Quickly, one thing I want to say, speaking of Star Trek, I was at a, I was at a but, but I'm going to tie it in. I was a... Um, an original Star Trek fan, the one with Captain Kirk and so forth. But my, my favorite episode was not the one with the little tribbles and all that stuff. My favorite episode was the the Tholian Web. The Tholian Web episode was the one where uh, they got a distress signal uh, with a ship, and Kirk and Spock and the guys go on the ship and find everybody dead and everything. So, And there was like a ship in the, in the uh, atmosphere, so they had to get out of there. So by the time they beamed back on because of uh, 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 shaking and stuff, they couldn't get Kirk back. So now they they, uh, they had to there had to be a time uh, timed situation where they could uh, they could beam him on. Well, at the at the same time that that there came a crisis where where, where these group of people, the Tholians, uh, encountered Spock and said, who, 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 who's now in command, you know, you guys are invading our space. You got to get out of here. And he told them, well, we're, we know we got to get our captain and stuff. We, and they gave him like one or two hours to get out of space and then, or, or else they would be trapped because they call it the Tholian web because of them, that ship and another one of their allied ships began to uh, create like a spider web that was going to engulf them. So now you've got to get the captain, you've got, you're dealing with this crisis with, with, uh, with the Tholians, and now uh, McCoy, the doctor, and Spock are fighting with, with, per, per se with each other because, you know, the, the, uh, the tension between McCoy and uh, Spock being, being now in command, questioning his authority. So you've got a whole bunch of crises going on. I say all that to say, that's what I see going on here. The metaverse is just a part of the piece because the whole piece is that, it, it, you know, the, uh, the globalists look at we as being peasants, all the people being peasants. So you're, you're, uh, all this stuff that we see working from home, people are going to be, they're, they're playing by 2030, we'll all be working from home. You'll be getting a universal basic income called UBI. Uh, when you got your free time, you're going to go into the quote-unquote holodeck, which is the metaverse, and now you can go in there and you just be as naughty and evil as you want to. That's your recreation. You, you won't be able to eat what you want to eat. You'll eat what they say you eat, and, and, but if you, uh, and I've read that too, but if you've been a good little boy or girl and your credit score is good, universal credit score, maybe you can get a ha- – a real hamburger uh, once every six months. So really, it's a it's like a it's like a slave mentality or, or, or a situation where all be slaves. It's not like a per based on like what we you you see slavery like that. Everyone, it won't be a racial thing. Everyone will be a slave to the globalists, 
and they will control every the world like they want to, and that's all these things that we see. They're all pieces, pieces. The uh, 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 my uh, uh, the, the article I gave you about the who, that's a piece. This about the metaverse, that's a piece. The Chrislam, that's a piece. And they're all putting this kind of like the folio web. They're all it's all coming, and, and we're getting choked, and people don't even see it. They're still having churches are still having conferences. Okay, it's the fifth annual church growth conference. You know, to grow, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to grow my church to be a mega church. I'm not against mega churches, but man, we're in a season. We don't need another mega. We don't need to be trying to figure out how to grow a church. We need to be getting back to the basis of about praying against what's going on and asking God, uh, uh, repenting and asking God to keep us, you know, while we go through this. That's where that's how I see it. Yeah, running into the wilderness. <laughs> we better get our act together. You know, uh, it's it's interesting when you talk about the metaverse and and uh, you, people enter, being entertained and, and distracted and brought into it. Um, anybody that's ever been addicted to heroin, crystal methamphetamine, cocaine, um, maybe even people that got caught in alcoholism, usually the drug addiction, the alcoholic addiction, the pornography addiction, uh, these addictions develop because of participating in these things, they excited something in the chemistry of the body. Uh, you know, that chemical reaction, that high, that, you know, that wow, that feeling, that excited sense of, well, the metaverse is all about stimulating every single sense in the human body. And, 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 and the addictable, uh, you know, reality is that people are going to want it more and more and more. So they say once is too much and a thousand times is not enough in the drug culture. And so the very first time you experience, you walk into it, you tip, you put your toe in that thing, you get in there, you meet a friend. There's going to be all these little spiritual bots in there that'll draw you in and make you feel good. And before you know it, you're in it and you're being excited and your body will crave this the rest of your life. I don't think there'll be any rehab for the metaverse addiction and you know, it's nothing in the scripture that says, oh, you're bad. You're not going with the metaverse. You need to get there. You're a church leader. You need to get out there and save souls. No, it's always the angel of light. And I would, like you said, avoid it like the plague and stay away from it and let Jesus and let the anointing be your most high. For we serve the most high. And all these other things are counterfeits and they're solical and they're temporary and they're not eternal and what we want is the eternal baptism of the love of God and the glory of that golden oil, that anointing that carries us in reality. And we, we will get all the divine benefits of, of, of stimulation, if you want to call it that. It's way beyond stimulation when we finish our race here on earth, being faithful to God, telling the truth. So, Pastor Jeff, again, you nailed it. And the warnings are there. The information is there. A final word before we go today. Well, one last thing I wanted to say is, and we've got to we've got to pray for the children. They're after the children. It's true. I mean, true. that that art, what what you and I were talking about about the the author. You know, you saw the uh, uh, the fifty five minute or so video just before I came on. I got an alert, and the, that 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 author had 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 sent a sixty second clip. Check this out. He said that 
it was, it was about the metaverse again. A lawyer has hired his 11-year-old daughter to build a law firm in the metaverse. Uh, and I'm like, huh? So he, you know, I, I finished the whole six, 60 seconds. A lawyer whose 11-year-old daughter is uh, has been spending a lot of time so far in the metaverse, and she uh, basically built a law firm with business cards, he said. It's called De- De- uh, Decentraland is, is the name of it. But this thing is so is so deep. People people are actually, even though it's an alternative reality or whatever, but how we can, you know, uh, um, uh, process stuff. It's like, in other words, here in our in our real world, we have businesses and corporations and so forth and so on. Like, there is a physical Pizza Hut building, you know, company. There is a phys- physical law offices and architect offices and, and, and hospitals and so forth. They're actually do- doing that in the metaverse. And and people are spending money. Napa Auto Parts has spent millions to have a Napa Auto Parts store in the uh, metaverse. And, and, and other corporations have, have spent money already to actually get in there so that they can influence people who, as you said, hey, who will have these addictions and, and everything. So it's like a money grab. Uh, people, people are going to make these corporations and, and, and people are going to make money, greed, everything <laughs> that's bad in this world is going to be uh, replicated in this metaverse universe or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, Pastor Jeff, uh, one of the things that those two men were talking about in the video that you shared with me yesterday he said something, and I thought, if we could just grasp this one thought, and if, if Christian men and women who claim to be followers and disciples of Jesus Christ, if we could just get this. He said, we are already in it. It's all around us. It's so satanically inspired. The deception is so great that people have already stepped into it. And someone was talking about the cell phone, how most people cannot be away from it. When's the last time you were away from your cell phone for seven days? Um, There's an interaction going on. There's a digital world, but there's a deeper movement into this metaverse that is being, you know, uh, touted right now. And people should be very careful. And so what does God keep telling us? Come out of her, my people. And coming out doesn't mean necessarily in the first place a geographical departure from a certain place, but a mental, emotional, spiritual, solical departure from the systems, from all these things, which would require an abandonment of many of the things that we enjoy today. And uh, it's just like the mouse in the trap. you got to put the cheese out there, and there seems to be a lot of cheese that people are going after and Uh, These are dangerous days, and our souls, I believe, everything that is happening satanically, because he's behind all this stuff, because it's make-believe, it's not real, he's ultimately after the souls of the people. He's ultimately after the soul of that one person that loves God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They're going after the soul of those who have been committed to Christ. 
It's like Satan is challenging God. It's like Satan is saying to God, I'm going to win your most faithful servants. I'm going after your most, you know, loyal people, and I'm going to turn them away from you. I'm going to turn them back from you. I'm going to have them compromise. I'm going to have them get lukewarm. I'm going to get them into such a state that they're going to be useless to you. And this, I believe, is the real spiritual battle for the souls of men. The people in the world who have rejected Jesus Christ, they are already damned. They are already condemned. The thing about believers is that damnation and condemnation has been taken away from us. We've been justified. But the devil wants to use this moment to challenge that justification, that blood, that salvation, and to turn people back to the world, to turn them away from God, to get them to compromise, to get caught in the snare. And this is where the overcomers are going to have to be very diligent to, to finish this race strongly with the sentence of death, carrying our cross and denying ourselves. I can't see another way through it. Amen. My just last point is, man, you hit it, you know, you just hit it again out of the park. Scripture that was in my, in my spirit when you said that, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? I do believe exactly what you said, that the enemy is after the soul of the believer, and the believer has to stand on the word of God because the enemy is after God's most prized possession, the children of God. And not only the children of God, but the children of the children of God. So I believe he's not only after God, looks we're his children, but our children in the natural, he's after them too. So uh, I would just say, Pastor D and I, we've been teaching uh, on our Thursday night teaching over the last three weeks. We're going to wrap it up tonight, Ways Christians Overcome the World. And we had like 12 ways, and, the, and, and three of the, of the last four that we're going to discuss tonight, and I believe it's a word for all of us, we, you know, as you said, come out from amongst them. You know, we got to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Secondly, we can't be a friend of the world. And thirdly, don't go back to the world. So keep yourself unspotted from the world. You may not be popular. But God didn't always use the popular people. He, he didn't, many times, he didn't use the majority. He often used the minority, minority in number I'm talking about here. Don't be a friend of the world. You know, James 4, 4 talks about that. And don't go back to the world. You know, not only go back, don't look back. <laughs> Lots of wives look back and turn into a pillar of salt. So let the world go. Uh, we, are, we are to pray for those who are in the world. but. Uh, uh, as Christians, God has told us and given us ways to overcome the world. Hey, Pastor Jeff, that is a sermon. That is, that is electric. And what, what I'm hearing while you're saying that is everything this world is offering to people, enticing them into and away from God, is such a counterfeit and so shallow in comparison to the truth that God, who cannot lie, has promised those that love him. He said, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. The world and the devil is preparing to ensnare souls and separate them from God forever, and God is preparing something beautiful. So don't fall for the trap. Don't be enticed, like you're saying, and have your faith and your hope that after this race, after this moment, this vapor that we're living out on this earth, be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. 
Keep running the race. Keep doing what is right. Get serious. Turn to God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and don't look back. What a perfect word, Pastor Jeff Bass. Anything else before we get running here today? That's it. I just uh, I just continue to, you know, uh, let everyone know that, you know, um, we continue prayer uh, for everyone. I, I, I pray, you know, do what you have to do in the natural as it relates to our, our, our natural duties, you know, we, you know, in the natural trust in man, uh, our, our ultimate trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ and that uh, that's who we need now. We don't need a king, a natural king. Uh, we've seen what happened with presidents, uh, prime ministers or whatever. We need king. The, the only king that we need is King Jesus. And uh, we also need to, uh, get closer to, to as you've been saying, uh, our relatives and, and, and not only that, like-minded people and, uh, you know, continue to, to be led by the Holy Spirit. I, I think more than ever, this is a season that we've got to be led by the Spirit, not by our flesh, because we can, we can go astray with that. But if the Holy Spirit says, go left, I'm going left. If the Holy Spirit is leading me to do whatever, just be led by the Holy Spirit, and I think if we're led by the Holy Spirit, we won't be lost. We'll uh, we'll be found safe in His arms. And so I'm going to continue to pray for you, your ministry, your family, and for everyone out there um, that we will continue to uh, seek the Lord and do what He says do. You're a great man of God. God bless you, Pastor Jeff Bass. We bless you and your family, your ministry, your beloved wife Dee. And uh, I, I look forward to the day we'll get to see each other's faces, not in the metaverse, but in the heaven of heavens, in the glory of God, maybe even upon this earth. But until we meet again, sir, I want to thank you for joining me on the air today. It's been rich. It's been a blessing. It's been informative, a great impartation of the wisdom and the knowledge and the word of God has gone forth. And I pray that the people of God will take what was done today and use it for their walk with God. So thank you for joining me, Pastor Jeff Bass. Well, thank you, uh, Pastor Vincent. To God be the glory. I receive those words you say uh, humbly, and I give all the glory and honor to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hey, talk to you soon. All right, brother. Amen. All right, very, very good, Pastor Jeff Bass. I want to just uh, point your direction to the screen. Uh, there's a number on there, 479-233-3774. It's been on there for over an hour and a half today because I'm, I'm waking up to doing what I have to do. Uh, but there are people on the other side of that telephone number that are waiting for you to call if you need prayer, if you feel stuck, if you are going through an a injury of some sort, a hurt, a pain, a problem in some area of your life, you feel caught in the trap, you're hurting, you're depressed, you're sorry, you're sad, call the number. There are intercessors waiting to talk with you. 479-233-3774. These are the days that everything we just talked about, everything, everything you'll ever hear, remember what we said at the beginning. Though I have all prophecy and I know all things and have not love, I am become nothing. Let love for God and for the body of Christ, yourself, the people around you, let love compel you to reach people, to tell them, to spare them. I know it's not easy. The environment is really tough. But love will compel us into evangelism. Love will compel us to say things 
where the atmosphere is like you, you don't talk. Love will compel to serve God, to do whatever God says, and to go after those who are lost. Love, but also be led by the Spirit in the times that we are living in. Listen, I want to remind you that you can listen to these broadcasts 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Omega Radio is broadcasting. OmegaRadio.org. OmegaRadio.org is broadcasting 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And when I'm done here, you're going to be able to go to OmegaRadio.org, and you'll be able to listen to the radio station. It's a radio station going all over the world. We've been doing that, and we just keep downloading all these conversations so people can listen to them again and again, share them with your friends. And there's some work we're going to be working on getting more um, messages, Holy Spirit messages, on there because we want to feed the flock of God. We want to take care of the people of God. We want to get good information. And thank you for your prayers. Thank you for praying for a successful Omega Radio ministry. Thank you for praying for our new wine ministry, Ecclesia. Thank you for your devotion. And thank you for your assistance in financially taking care of our bills each month. They're not many. They're not much. So if just everybody would give a little bit, we would be able to pay our little bills, which are just less than $1,000 a month. That's all. We're not asking for anything else for this ministry, for this work. Uh, if you want to give more, fabulous, and God bless you in your giving. So I also wanted to say to the people that gave their Passover offering, whoever you are, and if you happen to be listening, Patricia and I are standing in agreement that the word of God will be fulfilled in your life. By the time Shavuot comes, you will have the sheaves in your hands, the blessing, and so that God will show his kingdom economy to you. We'll talk about that another time. I think it's been a very rich day. I ask the Lord to bless you, to keep you, make his face shine upon you. Remember that number, 479-233-3774. You could call or text that number anytime. Someone will be there to take your call or get back to you, to pray for you and pray with you. And again, omegaradio.org, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Have a super blessed day. We'll see you tomorrow, Lord willing. It's Pastor Vincent Xavier. It's been wonderful to be with you. And remember, you can follow Pastor Jeff Bass as well. He has a radio station. Look up his name on the Internet if you want to follow him, Pastor Jeff Bass, okay? He's out of Virginia, and uh, what a great job he did today. Tomorrow, I hope to have Brother Don Huddle on with me. I'm going to make that call just when I get off the air today. We'll see how things go. Keep your head in the heavens. Keep your heart on Jesus Christ. Keep walking. Keep working it out. Take up the cross and follow Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless.